TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. We are off and running another week here on the uh, TalkZone.com. The big dog and the coach at your service. We do hope everybody out there had a tremendous weekend sports and or otherwise. Uh, big dog, I know people that are uh, tuning Come in via on, the Mr. webcast. James. Mr. James, give me a second. I'm trying to do a radio show here. Sorry about that, Coach. I, I'm busy. I got this woman here. Not a problem at all. That was one of the topics we were going to bring up today because I know you've had a long uh, dry spell of a couple of weeks, so we were going to delve into your social life. Maybe not at the beginning of the show, but that was clearly a topic. But uh, the webcast fans could see the chair is not filled here by the big dog, Joe Radwanski. He is calling via the phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois, where I understand you are under a deluge of rain at this point. Is that correct? Well, I wouldn't call it a deluge, but it's starting to lighten up a little bit, kind of like uh, everybody should be when they get to listen to two guys in a mic, because <laughs> that's what we're going to try to do for everybody. Nicely But, done. yeah, I, I guess uh, Mrs. James drove west. Never mind. I, I, I shouldn't touch that. We, we, we probably should just get into the normal topics of the show. Oh, obviously. You... My mind was just blown away yeah. by our producer, David Olson. Yeah, well, our producer, David Olson, uh, spending way too much time on the gossip websites, but... Uh... Well, we'll get it right out there. Apparently, one of the gossip things that are floating through the websites that you are alluding to is not uh, Mrs. Robinson, but it is Mrs. James, and apparently a rumor, 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 unsubstantiated, that maybe the reason LeBron James uh, did not play so well the last couple of games is one of his teammates was having a brief, if not elongated, tryst with LeBron James's mom. Yeah, you know, Delonte West is older then oh, you're going to name James. the teammate? Yes. The teammate, the teammate. was Delonte West. And that's, uh, supposedly it was Dante, Delonte West. And he, he's older than, than LeBron James. Okay. And LeBron James' mom, who I'm pretty sure his last name is not James. Okay. Okay. She had LeBron when she was like 15. Yes. So the, the age difference might not be all that crazy. It isn't like, oh, yuck, your teammate's mom is, mm-hmm. who knows, you know, the, yeah, you so know, it could be a perfectly normal relationships and a uh, normal relationship. And if LeBron James has the proper maturity, he uh, is all for it. If it you know brings his mom happiness, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, but it sounded good on paper. Well, you know what? I never ever thought we'd see an NBA combination where you know uh, a player played with his dad. But who knows if LeBron actually resides with Cleveland next year? <laughs> It could happen. I mean, uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Ken Griffey Sr., uh-huh. the Boons, the Bells, and you know, and now it could be the James slash West slash whatever LeBron's mom's last name really is. Big dog, let me let me ask you in your less than storied athletic career, high school, collegiate, storied. high school and college football, did you ever have a brief tryst, possibly or close to it, with a teammate's mother or, God forbid, father? I'm not even going to try to get cute here. You know, no, obviously not the dad, luckily for me. I was fast enough. But I can honestly say 
I have never, ever in my entire life uh-huh. ever slept with any of my uh, buddy's mom, okay. sisters, and more particularly, more importantly, girlfriends or wives of any of my friends or teammates or anything like that. Now, I will tell you this, little sister's friends, those were fair game. And I have to admit, I thank you so much to the Nuccio clan, the Hogan clan, all of them, <laughs> very much. Thank you very much. But I, the actual family members uh-huh. never touched, ever. Not Wait. even not, not even thought about, to be quite honest with you. Little sister? I didn't know you had a little sister. No, their little sister. Oh, their friends. little sister's friends. Okay. Yes, and not the little sister's ever. Okay. And, and I mean, and none of us have ever had. We've never crossed stream is the best way, as, the, as we like to say. Actually, there's a few other ways you could have explained it without that one. But uh, remember, folks, we are America's number one family sports show. As, as long, as, long you, as you're not listening to sports in America with your family. Yeah, in particular. 888-463-6748. You want to... Uh, Delve into some sports conversation here or talk about maybe a mom that you dated or had a tryst with at one point. You can do that. Again, our phone number here, 888-463-6748. It's the talkzone.com. It's two guys in a mic, the big dog and the coach. And, uh, yeah, that was an ugly rumor brought to us immediately before the show. I had this whole plan of attack, Joel, for the show. Very neatly and properly written out, and David Olson shot the whole thing for shoot about a minute and a half before the show. Yeah, so I'm talking to David before the show, and he's like, oh, you heard of LeBron James rumor, haven't you? And I'm like, and, and if something pops in my head, I'm like, <laughs> all the stuff that we've talked about on this show, does is David really think that John Calipari being a package that's, deal with LeBron James yeah. is that important? That, that's what I'm I thought. I'm that's on the line and tell me about it, and all of a sudden he dropped that bomb on me. <laughs> <laughs> like, are, are you kidding me? Delonte West, by the way, uh, the man reportedly in the, again, it's rumor, rumor, it's like a fourth-degree rumor. He's so, a painted man. But he is a um, good player, but he's a strange-looking individual. Well, uh, Mrs. James, and again, I will say, I don't think her last name is James. I'm almost positive it isn't. Uh, she's not exactly the most attractive woman on the planet either, mm-hmm. okay? But, you know, Delonte West is an NBA player, and, and and there are women, extremely attractive women, who will just have sex with you yeah. because you're an NBA player. Yes. Because, and I, I didn't even say he's a bad-looking guy. He's just strange-looking. Right? A little, well, um, he doesn't fit into any particular category. He's got the, the multi-tattoo thing going on, right? Yeah, he's the he's the illustrated man, Coach. Yes. But that, that's nothing new in, in NBA circles. It seems yeah. like everybody has to totally deface their body. Mm-hmm. That's that's how you can. Right. I, I wasn't sure how many Jewish players were in the NBA until I started watching all the tattoos. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. not that many, I guess. No, the Jewish tattoo parlors are are not doing particularly well. Although better of late, better of late. The arrow is pointing up if you're in the tattoo business in a Jewish neighborhood. Really, I didn't yeah. realize this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Arrow pointed up. All right, can we uh, move on from that uh, somewhat disturbing rumor and talk about some things that aren't rumor but some actual results, Big Dog? Oh, as long as it's Chicago Blackhawk hockey and not Chicago baseball of any sort, because I really don't feel like ripping the Cubs or making fun of the White Sox right now. Cubs did even have a nice even result. Cubs do have a one-game winning streak. <laughs> hey, we'll take what we can get. Uh, it was not a good weekend, but they did uh, leave at least a good taste in our mouth as Pittsburgh left town. They actually got a come-from-behind victory and actually got a clutch hit when it counted and actually got clean 
Very uh, boring bullpen work, if you will, an eighth inning up and down, ninth inning up and down. It was a nice change of pace. I was going to talk some Chicago Cubs. I'm feeling good about the Cubs and their one-game winning streak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's not much to feel good about. You know, I thought Juan Pierre had the worst arm in baseball, but it, it obviously is Xavier Nadia, the, <laughs> the Chicago Cubs. But at least Xavier Nadia came through with a, yes. a clutch base hit yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, and hopefully he can add a little pop off the bench for the for the Cubs. Yeah, he can hit, but uh, it is a problem when your right fielder literally can't throw the ball more than 150 feet. That's that's no joke, Coach. Yeah. He, it's, it's pretty sad. And listen, you can say he can hit, but he hasn't hit at all yesterday. Even that base hit he had yesterday wasn't exactly a screaming line drive. Okay, mm-hmm. it was a C-nice single. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's one thing. You know, if you're bringing in a guy that that can't you can't put out there defensively whatsoever, you got to make sure that he can hit the ball. So hopefully he can start doing something for the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, he always did it when he played for Pittsburgh. He always did it against the Chicago Cubs. Let's hope that the strangely named Xavier Nady, who by the way, no rumors with Xavier Nady and LeBron James's mom. I think we can dispel those rumors right now. But we can definitely start them. Well. That's what we do here on Two Guys in a Mic Show. By the way, I don't know how factual this is. I wrote this in my notes, and we will get to the big Blackhawks victory over San Jose, no question about it. But uh, there was a letter to the, not letter to the editor, but um, just a write-in letter printed in Sunday's Chicago Tribune. It was tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's more true than not. And, and it was, and again, not a writer for the Tribune, but you know, a consumer who was writing in and he got it printed saying that you could combine the San Diego Padres team salary. This is going to really depress you, Big Doug, if in fact it's true. The total salary of the San Diego Padres, total salary of the Pittsburgh Pirates combined is about equal to Alfonso Soriano and Carlos Zambrano's salary combined. Uh, yeah, per, per season that, that actually it's, I don't think that's right because, um, Zambrano makes on average 18 point whatever a year and Soriano makes exactly 17 million per average. I don't know what he's making exactly this year, but maybe with like an escalator clause that you're looking at like $35 million. The third salaries, how about this? Those salaries combined are about the same as what those particular teams are because both those teams are in the mid 30 is what it is. Okay. okay. So you just kind of miss it wrong, but think about that. Okay. Two of the Chicago Cub players are an equal value of two different teams in the National yeah. League. So the entire, by the way, both those teams are significantly better than the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, and I was going to say the entire Pittsburgh team's salary about even to those two guys. And over the last week and a half, Pittsburgh has beaten the Cubs five out of six times. And 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 in between those, in between those five out of six losses, there was a two out of three losses to the Florida Marlins. Yes. Who, by the way, the Florida Marlins are, they could have put them in the same boat because they're around 35 million a year too. So there's three mm-hmm. teams that you could, that you can throw in that particular boat, coach. It's pretty disgusting. Both. It's also disgusting that San Diego's making all that money. They got this whole revenue sharing gig and they're not spending it on their players. They're just pocketing the money. I, and if you remember when all this went down about five years ago, the first thing I said was San Diego won't spend any money because uh, of the owner out there. And that's exactly what they're doing. It's, this whole revenue sharing thing is a joke. They're basically these owners that wanted it were the ones from the small market teams, and a lot of these owners aren't distributed back to the players. They're just pocketing the money. It's it's mm-hmm. it's they were all doing oh we're doing it for the, uh, equality and baseball. No, you're just pocketing the money. It's a joke. So yeah, but having joke. having said that, San Diego Padres last time I checked they were now they had a bad weekend, but I think they're in first place. 
doing very well, thank you very much, in the National League West. Oh, no, 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 they absolutely are. I'm not ripping the GM, and I'm not ripping the manager or the players whatsoever. I, I just worry about socialism at, on every single level, and that's another issue what's going on. Uh, that's, I'll move on to a different particular subject, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it is funny, though, that if you decide to build teams without spending a lot of money, sometimes you can actually make some pretty good decisions, yeah. and you can get guys that can catch the ball, run the bases, do the little things right, and mm-hmm. you spend a million dollars on that guy, and then you have an, a story on those hitting, so I, I'm not going to rip them too much, but you, know, you throw a, a boatload of money at other guys, and those guys end up being slow, mm-hmm. don't field very well, strike out all the time. Oh, but they hit 35 home runs a year, Coach. Yeah, both. In love and in money, or I'm sorry, both in love and in baseball, money is not everything. I think that's the moral to this particular story. That's that's a really good point. Yeah. So one, hopefully some woman out there can actually come to that particular conclusion and yes. realize I'm a good guy. <laughs> I can run the bases. Okay, coach, I won't clog up the bases. The toilet, that's another issue. That probably will get clogged up. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's a good line. Marry me. I won't clog up the bases. The toilet's another story. Oh, goodness. I remember my dad used to uh, talk to me uh, about money, and he always, uh, with tongue firmly implanted and cheeky, would always say, well, you know, son, there's a lot of things. Money is not everything. There's a lot of things you can do without money. You can, um, well, you know, you can always have, uh, and you can always do, you know, and there's always, I don't know what the hell you do without money. Well, if you think about it, yeah, there's really, yeah. every that is kind of the basis of everything. Now, you yeah. happiness doesn't like money doesn't buy you happiness. No, uh, money can buy you sex, and I'm not talking about like with a hooker. I'm just talking about if you have money, mm-hmm. women tend to be more attracted to you. And if, if I offended any females out there, mm-hmm. I'm really sorry uh, offending that you're actually the one saint in the world. But I, I do realize that when I go out and I actually have money, girls tend to Walk to me a little bit more than lately when it just seems like, you know, mm-hmm. so, oh, what do you do? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Well, I got to go. Okay, so I don't understand it, Coach. Have you used the standard line? I'm between jobs and I'm doing a little consulting work. That seems to be the, the easy out now. Well, n- now what I do is, oh, I write apps. You write apps? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it works every freaking time now. Uh, yeah, they don't realize I haven't been paid yet on them. I prefer to go with the consulting thing. That's always a good out. Well, yeah, well writing consult. the apps now, Coach, blows the consulting away. It blows it away. I can't even explain it. Seriously. <laughs> See, that's how behind the times I am. I'm still stuck in the consulting world, but uh, obviously the way to go when in doubt, write an app or at least say you are. Well, I just want to let you know the consulting one worked for years for me. Yes. So that, I mean, that I'm going to use. Now I'm going to say I consult people who write apps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Combine the two, huh? Yeah. I was always now, amazed. That's got to be a major winner. Before okay. the app said, I would always, you know, if you stop and think about, it, you know, you're, you guy's a complete juke. You got no personality. You got no job at all. Who the hell are you consulting, anyways? And what are you consulting about? Yeah, I, yeah, I always wondered about that. Like, yeah. Like uh, Arthur yeah, Anderson, who, which is the biggest ripoff ever. And I, I swear to you, Coach, there was this this one uh, girl. Uh, her name was Sarah Ling. Okay. Uh, I won't tell you her whole last name, but she, it was very short. Well, like she was. This girl was one of the <laughs> dumbest people I've ever met in my whole entire life, but somehow she was one of those people that can, like, get decent grades while she was in college at a pretty prestigious university. Mm-hmm. The girl couldn't tie her shoes, couldn't make her own food, so she had to, like, eat out every single time. And she was consulting for uh, Arthur Anderson at the age of 21 right out of college. 
The girl was a freaking moron. So people are spending millions of dollars with Arthur Anderson to have this girl come in and tell it what to do. <laughs> was she just been exactly by the book? You know, I, I, I didn't. I, you know, I probably should do some research. You yeah. know, because I know I can still find this girl. She's probably like a big wig in this freaking company, and she's probably. I guarantee you, every single company she's touched is out of business. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I just have never understood. One of the, one of the great scams of American business: the whole concept of consulting. All right, let us move on here. Producer David Olson uh, starting to uh, squirm over on the other side as we have a program scheduled to get into Big Dog. Uh, you alluded to the big story today, our Chicago Blackhawks. Without a doubt. A little NHL hockey over the weekend. Championship series starts, and the Hawks win, as you predicted, as you predicted, on the road, 2-1 to one win. Their goalie was outstanding. Oh, I didn't realize it was he was going to play a game like <clears throat> that. My goodness. Coach, if he continues to play like that, they're going to hoist the cup. They got seven more wins to go, and it's, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to lift it. But does, this, does, this, does your aunt Naomi know that if this continues, that anti Naomi becomes a household word? Aunt Naomi, your aunt is soon to become famous in the city of Chicago. Yeah, Auntie uh, Naomi still has no idea what any of us are talking about. By the way, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But like she, she keeps on. Why are you calling me Auntie Naomi? But uh, whatever. So <laughs> no one is. Still, we all agree not to tell her. So, uh, but I think this guy is playing absolutely phenomenal. And San Jose is a really, really, really good team. This is without a doubt. If if the Hawks can somehow win this series, whoever they play in the finals, which I'm not automatically guaranteeing because hockey is just one of those crazy sports, they will not be as talented as the team that the San Jose is. You watched the game, coach. When you, it was like watching an All Star game with as much talent as the Hawks have and as much talent as San Jose has. I mean, this is a really phenomenal series. It's really cool that the Hawks are playing in the Western Conference Finals, and the level of play in this particular series is as good as hockey has seen in a long time. I mean, well, yeah, Pittsburgh and uh, and Detroit from last year is you know similar to this, but I mean, it it feels like it is the Stanley Cup Finals is the best mm-hmm. way for me to tell you. It really does have that feel to it. I missed a, a good portion of the games. Uh, you know, seven-game series, potential seven games, sometimes a game one. I need the drama to build up a little bit. But anyhow, I watched just the third period. And apparently San Jose played very good the first two periods. But the third period, the period that I watched, Big Dog, completely, completely dominated by the Chicago Blackhawks. The best way I can describe it, see if you're with me here, there were very few penalties in the third period, but it was played as if the Hawks were on a constant power play. Puck dominance, shots on goal. Again, I didn't see the first two. I thought the third period, the Blackhawks were spectacular. Well, uh, I, the, the Sharks definitely outplayed the, the Hawks in the first period. And in the second period, it was about even. And, and the Sharks had like a 12-minute span where they only had like three or four shots. Mm-hmm. That's right when the Hawks took momentum, and I agree with you. Uh, the Hawks definitely outplayed the Sharks in the third period. And, and you talk about no a few penalties. Do you realize how many penalties were called against the Sharks in the game, Coach? I heard, and again, not seeing much of the game, I heard there was a little uh, upsetness from the Chicago fans about some of the refereeing. How many? Okay, uh, first of all, there was zero. Secondly, Chicago fans shut up. Okay, and thirdly, you know what I love most about it? You know what I love? They asked Duncan Keith immediately after the game. Well, what do you think about the fact that there were no penalties called against the Sharks? Well, to be honest with you, I think we got to force the issue more so we force penalties. So you're not upset there were no penalties? He's like, no, why would we? They asked, uh, they asked Jonathan Taves later, are you upset that there were no penalties? Because no, no, we got to do more in order to force penalties. 
so all you Chicago fans sitting there, you're probably the same fans who, when they were down uh, two nothing in Nashville, gave up. You know what I mean? Quit complaining. The Chicago Hawks know what the heck is up. They didn't complain. They didn't whine. They said we better do more. That's why they're going to win, coach. This team doesn't whine. They don't complain. When they get knocked down and lose lose five to one to Vancouver in the first game of the playoffs, they get back up and punch people in the mouth. Watch this. In this next game, they'll play even better. They they were kind of disappointed with how they played, mm-hmm. even though they won. I didn't, honestly, they weren't like, oh, what a great game. They were like, you know, we, we really need to play better hockey. We we're lucky that. Uh, Niemi play like that because we can't expect him to save our butts every single time. Yeah. It's awesome, Coach. They're doing everything that a team needs to do to win. They're doing. Talk some hockey here. If you watch the playoff, Blackhawk fan, San Jose fan, Philadelphia Flyer fan, Montreal fan, just a fan of hockey. A little segment here on the Two Guys at a Mic show on NHL Hockey and the Playoffs Final Four. You can uh, dial it up, talk with the coach and the big dog, 888-463-6748. We each have our own expertise. Big dog, you are, are the expert of shorthand situations and defensive play. I've taken offensive play and power play situations, but together. The two of us who have never played a game of competitive hockey uh, in our lives, together we can cover all the expertise in hockey. So dial it up, 888 You can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. That's M-I-C and the number two, Mike2Guys, AOL.com. Big dog, the game-winning goal. The game-winning goal was almost artistic. It was a thing of beauty. Winning the faceoff, Jonathan Taze, we talk about a guy who may not be spectacular. And boy, the more you watch him, the more you appreciate it. Big faceoff win goes to Patrick Kane, who can be spectacular scoring. This time he was spectacular on the pass spot of Dustin Bufflin. And that slap shot by Big Buff, upper right-hand corner, that was a thing of beauty. That goal combined, the faceoff, the pass, and the goal. I mean, that was uh, that was Van Gogh painting a hockey picture right there. Yeah, and absolutely. You know, it's funny, Coach, because Taves really didn't win the face-off. It was Kane who battled for the puck good to point. get it back. Good okay, point. So it's funny. And like Taves admitted that right away when they said, oh, after he won the face-off, he's like, I didn't win it. Kane saved my, Kane saved my butt. And then think about this. How many slap shots this year have you seen Bufflin hitting the back of the net? Two or three all season? He gets his goals off of rebounds and deflections in front of the net. So, exactly, Kane is normally the scorer and, like, the spectacular guy. Well, he's the guy who gutted it out, you know, was able to steal the puck and passes it and gets it to a guy who normally tips it in, and he blasts it in. So, like, that, that's exactly what that's symbolic mm-hmm. of that particular goal. They figured out a way to get it done. It wasn't your typical ho-hum, oh, Kane flies past everybody, makes a great move, and puts it in the back of the net. It was guys doing things that they don't normally do. It's a great point, by the way, on the face-off, because you're right. Everybody, uh, the, the post-game analysis and the newspapers this morning all crediting Jonathan Taze with winning the big uh, face-off, and I kind of went with that when I led with you. But you're right, if you watched it, and I had the same reaction, he sort of, it's not like he lost it, but it was it was I pretty agree. close. I agree, but it was it was really a teammate. Yes, it, it wasn't just Tate Pat- went and passed it to the guy. It was yep. a battle, and Kane is he is so fast. Seriously, if, if Kane if Kane ever uh, like failed a drug test for the NHL, he could end up being an Olympic speed skater. That guy mm-hmm. is just ridiculously fast on his skate. Well, not only that, but fast with his vision and reactions too. He's very similar to the great players in uh, in most sports. In basketball, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson had this. In hockey, you know, probably the great example is Wayne Gray Gretzky. But um, that, and it's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it. That vision, 
that ability to, what do they say, see plays before the other players see it, but Patrick Kane, he didn't have the, the, you know, that anticipation that Gretzky did, but he's got a little bit of what great Gretzky has ahead of some of the other players. Yeah, just because you don't have the anticipation Gretzky had, doesn't mean you don't have great anticipation. Yes. Like saying, uh, he doesn't have as much will as Michael Jordan. I mean, like stuff like that is, those are the greatest examples in the sport. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just I'm giddy over here, Coach. I, I just I just feel good about how great this team is, and I, and they're so likable. You know, the most important thing if you want to like a, a team is I know you feel a little different, but if, if the Cubs were a bunch of jerks and won the World Series, I'd get over it. I would just be happy that they won it. Uh, and they've had a lot of teams that had a bunch of jerks on it, but the, the Hawks are filled with a bunch of good kids, a, a couple men and a bunch of really good kids, always backing their teammates up. Always, not even just saying the right thing, but doing the right thing. You know, it's you know, Jalen Rose always said the right thing, but he never did the right thing on the court. Okay, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like these guys are—they're just a bunch of like I know, put it in White Sox terms, a bunch of grinders. And the problem is, they're not just—not the problem, but the good thing is, they're not just grinders; they're grinders with talent. Let's hope they're just grinders on the ice rink because the, the way you're describing the Blackhawks on a roll, I'm thinking the only thing that can uh, stall up the Hawks is if, uh, and again, if you didn't join the top of our show, David Olson, our producer, reporting a rumor that uh, maybe one of the Cleveland Cavalier players was having an affair with LeBron James's mom. The only thing right now, Big Dog, mm-hmm. that could stop the Blackhawk is if uh, one of their players maybe has a brief tryst with the mom of a Jonathan Taves or a Patrick Kane, God forbid. Other no, than, that, uh, other than way, that, Stanley Cup is on our way. I just hope that Mrs. Kane has an extremely sound relationship yes. with her husband Let's hope because so. she's hot, Coach. She's hot. All right. Really? Yes. And have you seen Patrick Kane's sisters? I have not. How old is oh. she before? Oh. You're right. Good question. I know one of them <laughs> is at least 21. Okay. Because when they had, they showed pictures of her in with the family uh-huh. in the crowd. She was holding a beer. Okay. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I would I would hate to think, even if they allow their daughter to drink, that they would let an under 21 person drink at a at a Hawks game. You okay. know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. you know, if I, if like, you know, when I'm older and I have finally have kids, if my kid decided to have a beer when they were, like, 19 in the home, I wouldn't be all that upset. But if also their brother was playing for the Chicago Cubs, I would not let them drink under 21 in public, if you understand what I'm saying. So, but, oh, my goodness, spectacular. So the only thing I'm worried about is one of those sisters, like, all of a sudden, oh, Christopher Steve, so cute. You know what I mean? I'm a little worried about that. <laughs> that could cause troubles in the clubhouse. I'm yeah. picturing, actually, I don't know if Dustin Bufflin has a sister, but – uh for procreation purposes only, Big Dog, you and Dustin Bufflin's sister, it could be a good match. No, by the way, I, I would I would be more than happy to buff up a big buff sister. Okay, <laughs> but I actually, you know, I, I always want. I told you that Issel girl, I wanted to procreate with her. Yeah, you you Dan have Issel. something with Dan Issel's. What is it? His daughter? No. Okay. Before before we set the no her his niece. Before we, because we have, I have friends that listen to the program. Yes. I never had anything with this girl. Okay, the only thing I have is an interest. Okay, she seems like a really nice girl too. We got we got along as yes. like friends and stuff. But um, I actually this week I had to film some stuff where I was sprinting against a bunch of soccer players. Okay, and believe it or not, I did pretty well, coach. And considering it was me, and then and every time I would face a new guy, so I was pretty exhausted by the end. But about after running against like six guys. Like the eighth person I went against was a, a woman. The second person, the second person I ran against was a woman. She was taller than me, coach. Had big shoulders, and I swear to you, 
she was right on my heels as we were running. Sounds like love at first sight. I, I, I seriously, I said to her, I was like, do, do you have a boyfriend? And she was like, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I do. And I'm like, well, when you're done with him and you want nine months of your life to be wasted, come find me. <laughs> and she's like, what? You're crazy. And then they walked away. And this was on camera. And then I was like, I'm going to procreate with her. Oh, so it's pretty point. funny, Coach. You got all the smooth lines, but I can't imagine why you've had a dry spell for three weeks. Actually, I probably can't. Triple eight four six three sixty seven forty eight. Big dog and a coach talking sports and more here on the uh, Talk Zone Show. Two guys and a mic. Real quick before we leave hockey, we'll take a quick break. We got baseball to talk about, the Preakness, uh, a couple other stories, NBA basketball also. But uh, we should mention the other championship series, Big Dog Flyers in Montreal. Let's take it back a notch. We got to go back to Friday's game. Friday oh, next game, yeah. where Philadelphia in a Game 7 was able to defeat the Bruins, one of the first teams, I think the third team in history, to come from 3 nothing down in games, and then to add to the drama, in Game 7 they were behind 3 to nothing, And they came back and found a way to win an amazing victory for the uh, Canadian, for the Flyers as they advanced to take on the Canadian. Yeah, I was working all night on Friday, okay, and I had the hockey game on in the background. They go up 3 nothing, okay? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing this black and blue steady show. Let me put the White Sox game on. I, I, I got to focus on baseball, okay? So I, I put the game on. Next thing I know, you know, I wake up in the morning and I say, 4-3, I turn the game off. I was so upset. I can't even tell you, Coach. I had no idea that they had lost. They, they that the Bruins had blew that lead. The, the Flyers came back until the morning after, and I had the game on when it was three nothing. I yeah. could have, I could have watched one of the best comebacks. It's, uh, it was brutal. And the picture of the Boston Bruins players after the game. I mean, obviously, when you lose a game seven, you know, all athletes are going to be depressed. But I've rarely seen a collective group of individuals as beaten physically and mentally as that team was realizing they had a 3-0 lead in the series and then in a game seven in your home crowd by the way in front of your home crowd you jump out to a 3-0 lead and you blow that a credit philadelphia but uh, the boston bruins players completely depressed big dog was an amazing comeback by the flyer yeah and i know it was like a 6-7 series boston is a lot better than philadelphia so like when it got up 3-0 my thinking is you know what boston finally woke up yes Everything is going to be fine. Philadelphia probably is totally exhausted from this comeback. They don't have a chance. That's the only reason why I changed the channel. I wish I would have known. That had have been that had just been an, a, a phenomenal flurry of what they, everything that I read about yeah. it afterwards. It, legitimately, I, Philadelphia's got a lot of momentum going into this Montreal series, and they were able to take advantage of it because it was three nothing Philadelphia. They were up at least four nothing before Montreal yep. would have scored. Game but they were the, up 3 nothing in a blink of an eye in that game, Coach. Yeah, they won 6 nothing last night, so Philadelphia's now up 1-0 on Montreal. Their momentum uh, continues. One other quick story on that uh, victory, though, uh, in Game 7. The game-winning goal scored with, boy, there's been so much sports between that Friday night viewing and now, but I'm going to say around 4 or 5 minutes, maybe with 6-7-8. It was a power play goal because the um, Boston Bruins had too many players on the ice, so they get a... Brutal penalty for too many men on the ice, and the power play goal ends out burying him. So to add salt to an already pretty bad wound, the Boston Bruins take a bad penalty to lose the game. Yeah, you know, you know what? If you get a, a bad flashing penalty because you're being aggressive, yep. you know, shame on you. If you get a stupid tripping tripping penalty because you're out of position, like Dave Boland did yesterday. Oh, by the way, they put for Stieg in the box. Yep. They, the, the Hawks got you know a little lucky on that one because they put a penalty killer was still on the ice. 
you know, you, you can understand that even though I was really mad at bowling when it happened. But too many guys on the ice, you remember what I said? The Hawks did that a couple of times already this playoffs. That is inexcusable, okay? It's, it's not because you were in the middle of a play and you, and you did something that you shouldn't have done. It's because you were stupid. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Having said that, and you know where I fall, we get in these arguments all the time on officiating. Having said that, game seven, six minutes left in the game, tie game, and there were, there's no question there were six players on the ice, but player number six, and to be totally sure of myself, I'd have to go back and really watch the video, but the little bit that I saw, he was, you know, headed back to the bench. He was not part of the play. Do you as an official? Understanding the game situation, do you not make that call? Because there there was no advantage gain. The player was, was clearly heading back to the bench and not part of the action. Is that a time the referee should hold his whistle? I would think so. I know, I, I'm, not, I'm part of the one that you play the rules at every single part of the game. You only take it into consideration if there's a blowout. That's the only way I, I, I really – I would have to see if, if they should have called it or not. I mean, if it was close, you know, you don't call it, Coach, but uh, especially if he has absolutely zero effect on the play. But I, I'm not one of those people that, oh, in critical situations, you don't call penalties. I, in critical situations, that's when you call them because teams that are actually playing by the rules and are playing discipline should be advantage, uh, should gain the advantage. Let me throw one out to you real quick. Pony League game. I was not involved in this but heard about this one. A Pony A travel game. So fairly high competitive, uh, 14 and under baseball game two outs the team at bat is down to their final at bat they got a couple of runners on they're down one run couple outs so pressure situation right final out runners on base base hit wins the game if he's out the game is over Uh, and again i wasn't there but i heard this an example of bad officiating in my opinion two strikes on the batter 14 year old kid two strikes on the batter the pitcher's pitching fast he wants to use a lighter bat he goes back, exchanges a bat with his teammate in the on-deck circle, uses the lighter bat, walks into the batter's box. The umpire raises his hand, says that's illegal. You can't do that. Batter's out. Game is over. Good call? Bad call? Or Why somewhere is it in the... illegal? Huh? Why is it illegal? Apparently, apparently, there's a rule where after two strikes, you can't change your bat. Oh, then he's out. Yeah, then, yeah. You, then, and you have no problem with that call? No, no, no. That's... Is that like a, a thorough baseball league rule? Well, let's, you know what? It, it might not be. Let's just assume for a minute, and I don't know. Maybe some of our baseball fans out there know. I'm not aware of the rule, uh, positive or negative. I have strong feelings on the play, but I don't know the technical rule, to be honest with you. 888-463-6748. I don't know. Can you change a bat after two strike? This umpire appeared to think not. To me, it doesn't matter, Big Dog. You're telling me you're okay. Let's just assume it is, in fact, a rule. You're okay with an umpire letting the kids switch bats, letting them walk into the batter's box, two outs, winning runs on base, hard-fought game, two hours into the game, and you raise your hand? Sorry, buddy. Illegal bat. You're out. Game over. You're okay with that. No, if it's a general because it's aluminum bat and it's like a like a, a widespread rule through over all of Pony League, your manager has to know the difference. Your oh, coach come has to know on. You no man, nobody's going to no, know no. that. How many times do you see someone switch a bat? Very rarely. They, they, so you're telling me, uh, you know, this is not uh, the major leagues. A volunteer dad coaching a Pony A-League team is supposed to know that rule? 
Well, I, I, you know me, coach. If I was playing, if I was a volunteer dad playing for a Pony League team, I would know. Every, I would read the rule book, and I would be reading the rule book, rereading well, it. Too. And you would, you would be among the educated derelicts that are out there coaching. You read well, the rule. I am book. a derelict coach. I wouldn't exactly call myself educated. You read the <laughs> one out of two is not bad. I guarantee you read. There's no better way to dumb yourself down than to read a baseball rule book. Well, I, I would have to disagree with you, coach, because. I am a stickler for the rules. Now that that is pretty sad. That is pretty sad. But I mean, if it's only like an area rule, then I would not call it. You know, because you get like a team from Bolingbrook playing a team from Winneka. You know what I mean? And it's just like the Winneka rule. And the the guy from Bolingbrook did it. And you know, I would feel a little. I would feel. A, I don't know if I'd be able to you're, call it then. You're okay. tiptoeing. You're tiptoeing through the tulips. You're dancing. You're. Uh... Watching your step when you don't. It's a pony league rule. Like it's a pony league baseball. Matter if you are a. It does matter. It doesn't matter if you're a human. Here, let me throw this out to you. If you're the umpire and you want to enforce that rule, how's this for an idea? Hey, excuse me, kid. You can't do that. Go back and get the other bat. And let the game be decided by the player. But you're going to keep your mouth shut. You're not even going to let the kid know that you can't do that. You let him step in the batter's box and then you call him out. Game over. How about a little preventative of fishing? How about a little piece of humanity over the technical knowledge of the rule book, please? I'm losing respect for you as we speak, Big Dumb. Well, you should have lost it a long time ago. <laughs> this should have nothing to do with it. <laughs> All right. I had to get that off my chest. I can't handle stuff like that. All right. Uh, are we ready to move on, Big Dumb? Yes, Coach. Yeah. Thank you. Any more hockey thoughts before we take a break? Uh, no, I'm just really happy with the way they played. Yes. I mean, that was... Uh, to, to overcome that flurry of what the Sharks put on them, especially the first 25 minutes of the game, uh, to able to be able to withstand that, to be able to not complain that they didn't get any penalties called for them. It's a quality team, Coach. A very, very likable team. And you did pick the Hawks, uh, I believe, to win in six, correct? Yeah, I, I had it win game one, lose game two, win two in the UC, lose game five, win and clinch in Game 6 to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I'm going to stick with that particular uh, rotation. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. All right, well, let's hope you're right on behalf of the Blackhawk fans. All right, Big Dog, hang, uh, hang in there. We're going to take a quick, quick break. TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic. Quick break. Back in a minute, we'll talk some NBA, baseball, and another bad prediction by me in the Preakness. bit longer than 38 seconds but close enough shortest breaks in the radio business big dog that's good for our listeners 
Not necessarily great for our sponsors, but we move on. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic, by the way, during the break. A couple of more uh, new members of our Twitter family. Big Dog helped me in welcoming uh, the Thunder from Down Under and also Philly Sleestake. Says hello to you. Oh, Philly Sleestake. Delicious. <laughs> Very juicy. So, uh, Philly Sleestake. Thunder from Down Under. Yeah. Well, they got they've got stuff to be happy about. The Australian World Cup team supposedly might actually be able to advance into the next round, huh? Yeah, very excited about the World Cup. I think we're going to have the countdown, but I think we're something like twenty two days away from uh, opening boot off in the kickoff. Well, very excited. It's June eleventh. Yes, is when it starts. Mm-hmm. Today is what? What is today's date, coaches? May seventeenth. So we're in that range. Yeah. So you're talking twenty five days. Wow. That's that's awfully awfully good. And we do have a sponsor, Joel, uh, uh, coach. It's it's Joel's trivia. So, and I, I launched the hockey ones, coach. Mm-hmm. For if, so, if you have a a Droid phone, Android phone, if you're one of those people, uh, please download Joel's trivia. You got so far, you got football, you got baseball, you got hockey, and basketball will be launched any day now. It should be launched. Uh, I'm done with all the questions. I just have to write a few more. So. Beautiful, proud sponsor on the uh, two guys in a mic show. Yes, coach. Thank you. And by the way, of Kraft Incorporated, American Airlines, or. Uh, Miller Beer Company, when I advertise, I think we've got a few spots still open along next to Joel's uh, trivia questions. And if you just want to send free beer, I'm all for it. That'll work. Mm-hmm. That'll work. By the way, I congratulate Miss Michigan, who apparently over the weekend won the Miss USA contest. Big dog. It's not quite as big as it used to be, but the Miss Michigan, a believe a Lebanese immigrant. Ooh, that's was what I'm the, talking about, Coach. Yeah, was the winner. You might want to check it out. Lovely young lady. Congratulations Ooh, I- to her. I love them garbanzo beans, Coach. And you know she cooks with olive oil. So Take, take it easy. I know I'm, I'm, I'm being serious, Coach. Mm-hmm. Seriously, because, you know, like, I, I'm really into that Middle Eastern food, Coach. Besides, you know, if you can do something about the smell of the food, yep. I'd be much better off. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's thrilled to hear that. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, huh? I guess the issue is, you know, it's, it's lost the luster because it used to be Miss USA, or Miss America, but now there's also a Miss USA. There's like 10 of them now, and you really don't know who the reigning champ is. Yeah, it's very confusing, and quite frankly, uh, nobody cares. Okay, so uh, let's not even touch on it. <laughs> I wouldn't mind touching Miss USA, but let's not touch on the actual contest. Yeah, behave yourself. Well, you, you, you definitely need to find yourself a woman. Uh, and we're going to try to do that here on the show. That no, might no, be- I, 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 the, the best part of me, I'm doing quite all right in that particular area. I am, I am done with all women. By the way, I've decided about after the last one, I'm done. All right. I just got an email from Tweeter Philly Sleesix, and basically it's very quick. It says, Joel, call me. I don't need to talk to him, okay? Well, I'm hoping it's a her. <laughs> I'm hoping to. I'm assuming it's a he yeah. because most of, 99% of my stalkers from this show yes. have been men. <laughs> well, well, I remember on the, on the radio show you had a lot of stalkers, uh, Arlington Heights, Seth Glenn from Streamwood. You did draw the male audience, no question about it. Well, well luckily, mostly because of my uh, because of me winning and, and stumping <laughs> the Schwab twice. Yes, I got to tell you, Coach, if you're a 28 year old fat virgin that plays way too many video games, <laughs> like legitimately, it's like I'm the number one guy like up on their list. You know, besides like uh, internet porn, it's like downloading me. It's, it's pretty sad, Coach. <laughs> Hopefully they, they don't ever cross over. Like, you know. By the way, if you ever do need to cool yourself off, so to speak, a little bit, uh, just uh, download yourself a picture of the Schwab from ESPN. That will take any of those other thoughts away very quickly. 
it's so funny that you said that because right now in my hand, and I'm not lying to you, Coach, I'm handed – you know, do you ever see those cardboard cutouts of just the face? Yes. Well, I'm holding right now. I'm, I'll tap it on the phone. I'm holding one of those cardboard cutouts of Howie Schwab. Of the Schwab. Yes, it's, and I was walking I'm, by it right when you said that. I'm not, <laughs> Trust me. I'm uh, not even going to ask why. I think I would much rather move along, but um... – <laughs> Guy's got tremendous knowledge of trivia, but he was not blessed with being photogenic. Let's put it that way. Nice well, there's nothing it. wrong with that. I mean, we all have yes. our issues. I have it, too. So Yes. Uh, hey, real quick, before we get to the NBA and a little bit of baseball talk, too, again, our phone number here, you want to check in. Two guys, Ian Mike, 888 Big Dog, and the coach at your service right up Boy. until 11 o'clock each and every weekday. The Preakness Big Dog is a great race. Great race. The... Uh, Cole favorite, looking unlucky, knocked off the Derby winner, Super Saver, who ran out of gas down the stretch. He finished in eighth place, but a great, I don't know if you saw it or not, but first dude took second place. First dude led almost from start to finish and put up a great battle. Looking unlucky, made a run down the stretch. First dude refused to fold. It was a great last 15 to 20 lanes, but looking unlucky wins the Preakness. Yeah, pretty cool. Bob Baffert, not exactly like when the Yankees win. Yes. Like, oh, hey, Brian Cashman is celebrating. You know, it's one of those type of deals. Uh, but I was going to pick first, dude. And not like I know anything, Coach, but I just go by the name. Yes. And uh, and I didn't actually hear your particular pick. But I, I have to admit, this year you ain't got it. Normally you're pretty nope. good with your prediction. Yep. Very bad. I picked Schoolyard Dreams, and I think he took a 10th out of 12 horses. And never quite made a run at it. But first dude was impressive. I like that guy. He's... He was, uh, you know, beaten in the stretch, but instead of folding, he then took the lead back. It was a great last 15-20, very dramatic, and looking at Lucky, who was one of the co-favorites. Interestingly, by the way, the Derby winner, Super Saver, is, out for is the not going to be in the Belmont, and the winner of the Preakness, looking at Lucky, not going to be in the Belmont. The folks out in New York, probably not real thrilled with that. Yeah, no, they're not very happy with that. And they're, both those horses are going to be there just because, like, that's it's, that's going to be like the center of uh, of what do you call it the, the, the horse racing world in two weeks now. So they want the horses to be there, and they're only going to be there so like the other like other tra- like the owners can talk with other owners of other horses so they can breed with the horse. So basically, those horses are being brought up to to Belmont uh-huh. just to get some you know what? Wow, that's no joke. Just to get some tail, coach. Interesting. Legitimately, some tail. Interesting. That's yeah, the... because uh, legit, they're bringing up their going. They're up. They're, they're on their way right now. So, so the other, I guess, the other owners will get to look at them. Blah blah blah. Okay. Oh, okay. I got my filly here. You know, and then they put them in the a stable, a little candlelight. You got to be mm-hmm. careful with the candlelight and all that. Hey, coach. Yes. I hope you they know. have the extended like curtains or the wall, a little bit of privacy, uh, so to speak, for the great champions that are looking at lucky and super Some lube. Huh? Never mind. Yeah, I would certainly hope so. By the way, uh, one other quick note on that. The aforementioned Bob Baffert, he did sort of like a hockey coach who makes a goalie change or, uh, you know, maybe with the quarterback of a football team that's struggling, you bring in a new quarterback. He changed jockeys on the horse, brought in a brand-new jockey, the guy had never ridden, looking at Lucky, and uh, took the gamble and it worked. Martin Garcia, 25-year-old who was bagging groceries about three, four years ago, wins the Preakness. By the way, if his last name is Garcia, his first name must be pronounced Martin. Martin. Okay. Thank you yeah. very much. All right. I'm moving on from the Preakness, and I promise I'll do better next year on my horse racing predictions. Even this year, I'll give you a winner in the Belmont. One out of three is not bad. How about the NBA, Big Dog? We had a winner 
They haven't crossed the finish line yet, but they're running awfully strong. The Boston Celtics knock off Orlando at Orlando. This is an Orlando Magic team that had not lost a playoff game. The Celtics have found the fountain of youth. Yeah, not too many teams have gone 8-0 in the first two series of the NBA playoffs. Yep. Okay. The Bulls never did it, and that was because the Bulls never played in the 16-game the tournament. It was always 15 wins when they when they were there. But, you know, that just, it doesn't happen very often to get the, the two sweeps, and all of a sudden they're playing Boston, who look, look great against Cleveland. All of a sudden maybe you, you realize Cleveland might not be all that bad because Boston's a pretty good basketball team, and uh, they've got – you know, they've got the nice all-around team. they got the complimentary players everywhere. they got, like, you know, first of all, they got the shooter. they got the ball handler. They've got the great scorer in Paul Pierce. You know, you got the great all-around defender and team leader in Kevin Garnett. And then they got all these mammoth people coming off the bench. You know, you, you always hear about the size off the bench. Well, the, the Celtics have them. They also have, like, a, a guy to handle the ball and score a little bit and Tony Allen off the bench. It's the Celtics, they are a formidable team, Coach. They are, in 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 every sense of the word, a team. Yeah, and not only um, knocking off Orlando, but doing it at Orlando. And I thought their strategy, again, I didn't see the whole game, the little bit I saw, was pretty good. They did not double or triple team down on the big fella, Dwight Howard. They played yeah, him one-on-one. Very Phil Jackson, like they're yeah. trying to deny the ball and, and making sure that the three-point shooting of Orlando right. didn't bury them. Make Dwight Howard beat you with his one-on-one move, which have improved. He's gotten a lot better in the last couple of years, but I think where Orlando was so good, teams double down on him. He kicks out, and all of a sudden the rest of the team becomes great as well. And, uh, it's funny. The, the one I, I watched the fourth quarter of that game because, uh, obviously, the, the Blackhawks were on, and that's a number one in this particular home. Here come the Hawks. Yeah, the mighty Blackhawks. Mighty Flying and, Hawks. Throwing this out there, Coach, whatever happened, why do so many NBA players decide to make shots harder than they need to be? And by that, what I mean is, like, late in the game, during the last two minutes, uh, Orlando trying to hit some threes to get back in the game, and they were open threes. You know, I'm not saying they were chucking. But why, you get a wide open three, why do they angle their body and not square up? Rashad Lewis falling backwards on a bad angle to shoot a three when all he had to do was catch it and go straight up and fire the ball into the net. Mm-hmm. Why do so many players try to make shots harder than they need to be, especially, you know, it's in the middle of the second quarter, you're up 10, you want to show off a little bit. All right, don't do it, but still, okay, whatever. I ain't going to get mm-hmm. upset about it. But Two minutes to go in a game and, and you're falling out of bounds on purpose, off, uh, I, I didn't get it, Coach. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, and I would even add uh, an addendum if I'm allowed to add an addendum. I don't know if you can officially you have to, do that. because I'm sick of you agreeing with me. You've gotta, you got to give you, you got to pipe in something positive, Coach. I'm going to add an addendum and say the same thing holds true for the big fellas. Down low. Whatever happened to the simple drop step, power move, and go up? you got Shaq O'Neal. Back it in, back it in, back it in, like he's doing the dance, using the big butt. you got, uh, I mean, I can remember back to old Chicago Bulls, Bill Cartwright would get the ball in the post. He's three feet away from the basket. He's got one guy guarding him. Just turn around and shoot the ball. He'd pump fake left, pump yeah, fake right. Little baby hook. Huh? Yeah, a little baby hook. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. a guy the Bulls had at me and my son? We would crack up laughing watching this guy play. Othella Harrington. He he was about 6'8", 6'9", post player. Had a uh, cup of coffee in the NBA. But he would get the ball in the post, sometimes literally wide open, and he would do up and unders, double fakes, triple moves. He would make an easy shot become incredibly difficult. So I think what you said, Big Dog, is also true with the post players. Just drop step, 
power up, and put it home. Yeah, when you have, you know, it, it, it's funny, and I immediately thought of, of Michael Jordan, you know, and, and we use him as a reference a lot, but yeah. um, players should. Players should see, okay, the greatest player of all time made hundreds, if not thousands, of spectacular, crazy shots. But when it came down to clutch situations, and obviously the Bulls typically would call a play to go through him, he would always remind himself, do it fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Do it fundamentally. He would always remind himself of that. Like in that whole thing where he extended the arm and let his arm wave, the only reason why he did that, he, he wanted to make sure he had perfect form on his shot. And if you look at when Michael Jordan shot, uh, when he was able to get a wide-open look, he didn't add a flare to it. He made sure that the ball went in. You know, I mean, there were times he'd made like crazy fadeaway shots, but it was because people were hanging on him and in his face. Whenever he had an open look coach, he tried to make it as simple as he possibly could. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm going to, for the low post thing, I'm going to throw a name out here, which it'll probably make you laugh. I'm- the guy who was awesome at trying to do it as simple as possible, and he was a great low post, not great, a very good low post scorer. He was just way too small for short, being short, and way too fat and unathletic in the NBA. It was Michael Sweetney. You remember him? Yep. Played, I mean, he played for the Bulls. Yeah, he played for the Bulls. And out he of uh, in the NBA, but Georgetown? Yeah, he was out of Georgetown. Yep. The guy was six foot five yep. and continually scored in the low post because he just did everything right. And you talk about a guy who was three hundred pounds, six foot five, no athletic ability. He stayed in the NBA for like six years mm-hmm. because he just tried to do it as simple as he possibly could. If he was seven foot tall, he'd leave the NBA in scoring coach. Pretty serviceable player and he had shoulders from here to Nebraska. That, that does help. That's just this one thing. If you're a if you're a kid out there, especially in clutch situations. Don't try to make things harder than they need to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, Michael Jordan never did it, and everybody thinks of him as spectacular. Okay, so uh, it was just something that when I was watching that game yesterday, I was just shaking my head. I just couldn't believe it. At uh, Celtics, uh, I won't use the word shock, but surprised the Orlando Magic and some of the NBA experts. But one of that game, real quick, the other Final Four in the NBA starts tonight. Big dog, Phoenix Suns against the Lakers. Lakers have had a long layoff. Phoenix is red hot. Uh, you're red hot in your predictions. We'll tap and see if we can keep the red hotness going. What do you think happens in this Phoenix LA series? Okay, now this is uh, this is going to be one that I'm going to have to like take both sides of the fence here. I am desperately rooting for Phoenix to win. Uh, I, Phil Jackson's growing on me. I don't dislike him as much as I did uh, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. You know, he's finally easing up in some sense. I really like Stevie Nash. I, I want them to win badly. Coach, I'm really afraid they're going to lose in four or five games. Phoenix. The, the Lakers are so much superior to the Suns. They play great defense. Okay, first of all, Phoenix is a better offensive team than the Lakers are by a little bit. You know, they're, they're definitely a better offensive team, but defensively the Lakers are very, very good, and the Suns are, well, they're a great offensive team, Coach. Mm-hmm. So I would say my prediction is the Lakers in five. Okay. There you go. You've been hot of late. We'll see if we can keep that prediction going. Big Dog got about two minutes left. Real quick, any uh, thoughts from the baseball weekend? Obviously, it was not particularly good for our White Sox or Chicago Cubs. Cubs lose two out of three to Pittsburgh. Sox lose two out of three to Kansas City. Any baseball thoughts? I know you jotted down uh, many in preparation for today's show. Uh, um, yeah, I've got uh, I've got plenty up and down the order. You know, it, it's it's kind of funny how many players on both the Cubs and the White Sox are having not, not, not even great starts to the season. You know, the Cubs have a bunch. If you think about the start that Terrio is off to, the start Carlos Silva is off to, Carlos Marmol has been phenomenal 
this particular year. But if you don't have everybody playing well, you can't win. That's why they're under five hundred. Look well, at the Chicago I don't know White if you, you agree with that. You can you can you can win when certain guys are off. I think the key is you just got to get a hit at the right time. Well, that, that would help, especially you, you definitely need the hits at the right time when when your three and four hitters are driving a run every three games instead of a run every other game, which is basically what's happening with Aramis Ramirez and, and Derek Lee. They need to be more productive. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the White Sox, you know, Juan Pierre has turned it on. What about Alex Rios? Is, is, does anybody realize, if you're not a diehard White Sox fan, you might not realize that Alex Rios right now is playing as well as any outfielder in the American League. By the way, the best outfielder in the National League so far, Andre Ethier, broke his pinky, and he's going to be out for a couple of weeks for the Dodgers. But He's fielding his position. He's hitting for power, hitting for average, and he can run the bases a little bit. That's a pretty good combination. Yeah, He's he's on pace right now to have a 30-40 season. Hit 30 home runs, steal 50 bases, mm-hmm. Alex Rios. And he's hitting 300 and stealing home runs from people. If, if you're not a diehard West Sox fan, you wouldn't even realize it. So. Yeah. They've had a couple of players play absolutely phenomenal so far. Canerco, and although everybody knows how Canerco is just killing the ball, he's slowed down the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like you know, like Przinsky's kind of like in a fog. Gordon Beckham, oh my goodness! And you know, I keep on thinking he's going to wake out of it. He had a couple good at bats the other day, but you know, he still has continued to struggle. Uh, the, big the one big thing deal. Is, we got we got to wrap it up here. We have run out of time. Save oh. some of those thoughts now. I know you're off tomorrow, but back with us Wednesday, right? Uh, yes, I will be back with you guys on Wednesday, Coach. All right, sorry to cut you short. Save some of those thoughts. We'll do it Wednesday at 10, okay? Yes, I got plenty to talk to you. Well, I'm peeved about PV. Behave yourself, will you? All right, okay. Big Dog and a Coach back at you 10 o'clock tomorrow. Actually, the coach will be the Big Dog. will be back at you Wednesday. David Olson, our producer, great job. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow at 10.